Part one of Chapter eight of Stories of Animal Sagacity. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Allison Hester of Athens, Georgia. Stories of Animal Sagacity by W. H. G. Kingston. Chapter eight Birds. When we observe the small heads and unmeaning eyes of birds, we do not expect to find any great amount of intellect among them. They are, however, moved by the same passions and feelings as larger animals, and occasionally exhibit thought and reasoning power. I suspect, indeed, could we understand their language, that we should find they can talk to each other, and express their meaning as well as others of the brute creation the gander and the bantam cock a goose was seated on her eggs in a quiet corner not far from a horse pond in a farmyard up and down before her strode a game cock which watching the calm looks and contented manner of the goose which contrasted so greatly with his own fiery disposition began to get angry just as human beings who are out of sorts sometimes do with those who appear happy and smiling at last, working himself into a downright passion, he flew at the poor goose, pecked out one of her eyes, and while she was attempting to defend herself, trampled on and destroyed several of her eggs. The gander, which was waddling about on the other side of the pond, on seeing what was taking place, hastened to the aid of his consort, and attacked the savage cock. The cock, of course, turned upon him, and a desperate battle ensued. The two combatants, after a time, drew off from each other, both probably claiming the victory. For some days after this, the cock, taught prudence, allowed the goose to remain in quiet, the gander watching him narrowly. The latter, at last, trusting to the lesson he had given the cock, wandered away for provender to a distant part of the yard. No sooner was he gone than the cock, which had all the time been waiting for an opportunity, again assaulted the poor goose. Her loud cries were fortunately heard by the gander, which came tearing along with outstretched wings to her assistance, and seizing the cock by the neck, before the angry bird could turn his head, he hauled him along to the pond. In he plunged, and soon had him deep in water. "'I am more than your master now,' thought the gander as he ducked the cock under the surface. I will take care. You shall never more interfere with my dear goose. And again and again he ducked the cock, keeping his head each time longer under water, till at last his struggles ceased and he was drowned. It is sinful to harbor the slightest feeling of revenge in our hearts, yet those who attack others unable to defend themselves either by word or deed must expect to receive deserved punishment from the more powerful friends of their victims end of the gander and the bantam cock the farmer and his goose a cheshire farmer had a large flock of geese as he was passing through the yard one day, one of the geese quitted its companions and stalked after him. Why it did so, he could never tell, as he had shown it no more attention than the rest of the flock. The following day, the goose behaved in the same way, and at length, wherever he went, 
to the mill the blacksmith's shop or even through the bustling streets of the neighboring town the goose followed at his heels when he went to church he was obliged to shut up the goose while plowing his fields the goose would walk sedately before him with firm step and head and neck erect frequently turning round and fixing its eyes upon him one furrow completed and the plow turned the goose without losing step would adroitly wheel about and would thus behave till it followed its master home even in the house as he sat by the fire in the evening it would mount on his lap nestle its head in his bosom and preen his hair with its beak as it was wont to do its own feathers even when he went out shooting the goose followed like a dog getting over the fences as well as he could himself it is sad to think that gross superstition was the cause of the death of the faithful bird the ignorant farmer afterwards killed it fancying that the mysterious affection of the goose boded him some evil take warning from the fate of the poor goose and do not bestow your affection on those who seem unworthy of it however clever or powerful they may be end of the farmer and his goose the blind woman and her gander bishop stanley who mentions the story heard of an aged blind woman who used to be led every sunday to church by a gander which took hold of her gown with its bill when she had seated herself it retired to graze in the churchyard till she came out again and then it would lead her safely home one day the clergyman called at her house and expressed his surprise to the daughter that the mother should venture abroad she replied oh sir we are not afraid of trusting her out of sight for the gander is with her when a poor despised goose can thus make itself of so much use how much more should you try to become useful end of the blind woman and her gander the prisoner set free mrs f who has had much experience with poultry considers them very sensible and kind-hearted birds the leg of a young duck had been broken by an accident she placed it in splints and put the bird under a small crate on a patch of grass to prevent its moving about till it had recovered it was one of a large family and in a short time its relatives gathered round the prisoner clamoring their condolence in every variety of quacking intonation they forced their necks under the crate evidently trying to raise it and thus liberate the captive but the effort was beyond their strength convinced at length of this after clamoring a little more they marched away in a body while the prisoner quietly sat down and appeared resigned a short time afterwards a great deal of quacking was heard and a regiment of upwards of forty ducks was seen marching into the yard headed by two handsome drakes known by the names of robin hood and friar tuck evidently with a preconceived purpose they all marched up to the crate and surrounded it every neck was thrust beneath the lowest bar of the prison every effort was made to raise it but in vain at length a parley ensued then the noise ceased only the deep-toned quacking of robin hood was heard when their object became clear all the tribe gathered together on one side of the crate the strongest in front 
and as many as could reach it thrust their necks beneath the crate, while the rest pushed them forward from behind. Thus they succeeded in overturning the crate and setting free their imprisoned friend. With clamorous rejoicings from the whole troop, the liberated duck limped off in their midst. These sensible ducks teach us the important lesson that union is strength, not that they, you will agree with me, showed their wisdom exactly in liberating their companion, who was placed in confinement for his benefit. However, remember through life how much you may affect in a good cause by sinking all minor differences and uniting with others like-minded with yourself. End of the Prisoner Set Free the two sporting friends my children have a black dog and a jackdaw and though the bird shows a preference for human companionship when he cannot obtain that he hops off to the dog's kennel on top of which he sits talking to his four-footed friend in his own fashion and the dog seems well pleased to receive his visits i fully expect some day to have some curious tale to tell about them in the meantime, I will tell you of a raven which had been brought up with a dog in Cambridgeshire. They had formed an alliance, offensive and defensive, and could certainly interchange ideas. The dog was fond of hares and rabbits, and the raven had no objection to a piece of game for his dinner. Being both at liberty, they used to set out together into the country to hunt. The dog would enter a cover and drive out the hares or rabbits, when the raven, which was watching outside, would pounce down on the animals as they rushed from the thicket and hold them till the dog came to its assistance. They thus managed to obtain their desired feast. Indeed, they were probably more successful than many human sportsmen. End of The Two Sporting Friends The Two Hens in Mrs. F.'s poultry yard, some duck eggs had been placed under a dorking hen. A few days afterwards, a bantam began to sit on her own eggs, the nests being close together. In the accustomed 21 days, the bantams were hatched and removed. But after the usual 30 days required for hatching the duck eggs had passed, none appeared, and so the dorking hen was taken away and the nest destroyed. Although ten days had elapsed since the hatching of the bantam's eggs, the dorking hen remembered her neighbor's good fortune and tried to get possession of her food, calling the little ones, feeding them, and fighting to keep them. But the true mother would by no means consent to resign her rights. To prevent the interference of the dorking, she was shut up for several days, but directly she was liberated, she again flew to the little chickens and acted as before. Two Muscovy ducklings, having just been hatched under another hen, were offered, as a consolation for her disappointment, to the dorking. And such was her desire for maternity that she instantly adopted them. To prevent further trouble, she and her charges were sent to a neighboring house. A fortnight later, other ducks were hatched, and, as it seemed a pity to waste the time of the banished hen with two ducklings only, they were sent for home. The little Muscovies were placed with their own brethren, and the hen turned loose among the rest of the poultry, it being supposed impossible that she would still recollect the past. 
Her memory, however, was more tenacious than any one fancied. Once more, she hastened to the bantams and lavished her care on the tiny things, of whom only three were surviving. The bantam mother, on this, appeared satisfied to regard her as a friend. They disputed no longer, but jointly and equally lavished their cares and caresses on the three chicks. Here is not only a curious example of tenacity of memory, but it is the only instance of friendship Mrs. F. has ever known to exist amongst gallinaceous fowl. Do not be jealous of another's success, but try rather to assist and support a rival, if your services are acceptable. End of the two hens. The Wild Turkey and the Dog Audubon, the American naturalist, whose statements we can thoroughly trust, once possessed a fine male turkey of the wild breed common in the western states. He had reared the bird till it became so tame that it would follow anyone who called it. He had also a favorite spaniel, which became thoroughly intimate with the turkey, and the two might constantly have been seen running side by side. When the bird was about two years old, it would fly into the forest and occasionally remain away for several days together. It happened one day, after it had been absent for some time, that Audubon was walking through the forest at some distance from his home. He saw a turkey get up before him, but he did not recognize it as his own. Wishing to secure it for the table, he ordered his dog to make chase. Off went the spaniel at full speed, but the bird, instead of flying away, remained quietly on the ground till its pursuer came up. The dog was then about to seize it, when Audubon saw the former suddenly stop and turn her head towards him. On hastening up, he discovered, greatly to his surprise, that the turkey was his own. Recognizing the spaniel, it had not flown away from her, as it would have done from a strange dog. Unhappily, the turkey, again leaving home to range through the forest, was mistaken for a wild one and accidentally shot. Audubon recognized it by a red ribbon being brought him, which he had placed around his neck. Do not forget old friends or former worthy companions, however humble, but treat them with kindness and consideration. End of the Wild Turkey and the Dog the brave hen. A Spanish hen in Mrs. F.'s poultry yard was sitting on her nest in the hatching house, which had a small window through which a person might look to see that all was right. As the hens were usually fed upon their nests, the ground was strewed with corn, which tempted the rats and mice. The hens used frequently to punish the mice by a sharp tap on the head with their beak, which laid them to rest forever. One day, Mrs. F. was looking through the window when she saw a middle-sized rat peering forth from its hole. The rat scrambled into the upper range of boxes, where sat the Spanish hen, and then remained a while, still as a mouse. The hen evidently saw him, but she sat close, her head drawn back and kept low on the shoulder, her eyes nearly closed. She clearly feigned to be asleep. The rat, deceived, advanced a few steps, and then sat on his haunches, looking and listening with all his might. Again he moved, again paused, 
then sprang into one corner of the nest, grappling an egg with his forepaws at the same instant. The hen had never stirred all the time, but now, suddenly throwing forward her head, she seized her foe by the nape of the neck. Then, without withdrawing her bill, she pressed down his head repeatedly with all her force. She then gave an extra peck or two, half rose, settled her eggs beneath her again, and seemed happy, and before her lay a half-grown rat, quite dead. This was, indeed, calm courage. Imitate, if you can, this brave hen. Endeavor to be cool and collected when danger approaches. End of the Brave Hen The Gallant Swan and His Foe Swans show much bravery, especially in defending their young. Indeed, from their size, they are able to do battle with the largest of the feathered tribe. They have also been known to attack people who have ventured nearer to their signets than they liked. I remember a lady being attacked by a swan on the banks of a lake, in the grounds of a relative of mine. She had to take flight, and was met running along the path crying for aid, with the swan, its wings outstretched, in full chase after her. End of the Gallant Swan and His Foe The Raven and the Bird Trap only lately, a person paddling in a canoe near Kilmsford approached a nest of cygnets when the parent swan swam out, and seizing the bow of the canoe, nearly upset it. The paddler had to back out of the way, with difficulty escaping the violent assaults of the enraged bird. One morning, as a family of cygnets were assembled on the banks of one of the islands in the zoological gardens of London, and the parent birds were swimming about watching their little ones, a carrion crow, thinking that the old birds were too far off to interfere with him, pounced down on one of the cygnets. The father swan, however, had his eye on the marauder, and, darting forward, seized him with his bill. The crow in vain struggled to get free. The swan, like the gander I before mentioned, dragged the felon towards the lake, and plunging him under water, held them there till his calls sounded no longer. Be brave and bold in defense of the helpless, especially of those committed to your charge. End of the Raven and the Bird Trap The Raven and the Bird Trap, too. Ravens are supposed to be the most cunning and sagacious of birds. They are knowing fellows at all events. Some schoolboys in Ireland used frequently to set traps for catching birds. A tame raven belonging to their family frequently watched the proceedings of the young gentleman, and it occurred to him that he had as much right to the birds as they had. When, therefore, they were out of the way, he would fly down to the trap and lift the lid. But as he could not hold it up and seize his prey at the same time, the bird invariably escaped. Not far off lived another tame raven, with which he was on visiting acquaintance. After having vainly attempted on frequent occasions to get the birds out of the trap by himself, he one day observed another poor bird caught. Instead, however, of running the risk of opening the trap as before, he hastened off to his acquaintance. The two ravens then came back to the trap, and while one lifted the lid, the other seized the poor captive. They then divided their prize between them. 
when you see rogues like these two ravens agree do you not feel ashamed when you take so little pains to assist your companions in doing what is right we are placed in this world to help one another end of the raven and the bird trap too end of part one of chapter eight of stories of animal sagacity